As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Three, two, one, zero. Hello, welcome to episode 128, Chief Mom Officer. Hey, Money Clan, a very warm welcome to the Chain of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Walsh. Katie, today we're chatting with Liz and such a crazy story how busy she is and I don't know how she manages everything. It's insane. You know, I want to say I just got to fall back onto time management and priorities. Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. And I think ultimately when you have so much that you got to get done. You know, they always say, if you need something done, give it to someone that's busy. Yeah. And you know, like if, if you manage to sort of establish those sort of routines and those habits early on, I feel like you're able to achieve a lot and get a lot done. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we can all kind of think back to a time where we were really busy and we were just killing it and getting things done and you know, like unstoppable. And then you get like a week or a couple of days off work and you've, Kind of just turn into a blob. Kind of feels like we're up before finals, right? Yeah. (laughs) How there's that like mad rush and then there's vacation and you're like, I'm done. And then you forget everything. Well, actually, I was kind of a weird kid in college and I always had it all done early. (laughs) Okay, well, maybe it was just me. (laughs) Well, no, I I do have friends and most people I know are like that. So I I can understand. But yeah, I think it is a lot. Liz is very busy. She's a mom. She works. She's you know, half of the household. Thankfully, her husband is the other half. So they have a great teamwork system. Yeah, but but she's also the sole breadwinner. So that's got to be quite tough. Well, and she's got her blog. She's really got it going on over there. So in order to kind of keep the momentum going, you have to be organized and time managed. Yeah, I completely agree. Guys, if you'd like to join us on Facebook, you can head on over to chainofwealth.com slash group. That you can join our Facebook group. It's filled with people looking to achieve their financial dreams. If you're at all got a goal that you're working for, whether it's paying off debt, whether it's trying to save for something, whatever it is, we want to hear about it. So join the group and get involved. All right, Katie, ready to dive into today's episode? Yep. Fantastic. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Liz is the creator of Chief Mom Officer, a personal finance blog whose mission is to teach working women about how to manage their money. Liz has been pursuing financial freedom for over 20 years and is currently the breadwinner of her family of five. Welcome, Liz. Liz. 
Hello, how are you today? We're doing good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. Hanging in on a Monday, huh? <laughs> yep, doing the best I can. Got through Monday, <laughs> so the rest of the week should be all smooth sailing from here. Absolutely. So I wanted to d- just dive right in. Uh, you have quite an interesting story. Um, so your husband is a stay-at-home dad, and... Was it always like that? What kind of prompted that sort of a lifestyle where you were the breadwinner and your husband was staying at home? Oh, it's a very interesting story. So we've been married for quite some time. We have three kids. One's going to be 15 tomorrow. And then we have an 11 and three-year-old. Ooh, happy pre-birthday. <laughs> yes, yes. He's excited about it. So we haven't always had the arrangement where he's a stay-at-home dad. So over the last 15 years, we've had a bunch of different working arrangements. Um, We've worked opposite shifts where I would work a corporate job during the day, and then he would work in the evenings. He's worked part-time in nights, evenings, weekends, those kinds of things. And about three years ago, we made the decision for him to become just a full-time stay-at-home dad. He'd had some health issues about six years ago where he almost died of septic shock. And it was quite some time recovering from that. So he had stayed at home for a while back then, had gone back to work, but then unfortunately suffered some more medical complications. And really given that uh, my work responsibilities had increased and I was starting to travel for work more often, it made the most sense for him to just stay at home with our boys. So it's been fun the last three years. It's great to have him at home. And he does wonderfully with all three kids. Well, that's really nice to hear. And I feel like you're seeing more of a shift just in families in general, where it's not only stay-at-home moms anymore. It is quite often also stay-at-home dads, too. It is. When I was a kid, I don't remember anyone I knew having a stay-at-home dad. But my middle son, who's now in sixth grade, he says he knows quite a few kids who have stay-at-home dad parents. And you do meet them more often than you used to. It's certainly not very common. I'd say, but it's not uncommon either. Right, definitely. Yeah, makes sense. So what would you say are some of the biggest struggle that working women face in the workplace? And do you feel like things have sort of gotten a bit more fair as years have gone by? So that's a great question. I think that working women face a lot of different struggles in the workplace, although it certainly has gotten better over time. Um, I've gone back and done research before on the conditions working women faced in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and it was certainly nothing like today. So we all owe a great debt of gratitude to our foremothers for fighting for equal rights in the workplace and the ability to work at all, frankly. But of course, there's still more to come. I think a lot of women face difficulties in balancing work and family life. It really is hard when you have kids to try and figure out what is the best balance that's going to work for you. And I also think that a lot of women don't do things like negotiate for being paid what they're worth. Sometimes they're seen differently in the workplace. If they project confidence and a level of success, sometimes they're seen negatively instead of positively. And we do know that women still aren't quite paid what men are just on average, when you look over everyone in similar jobs and things like that. So there's definitely a ways to go for all of those kinds of things. But um, it's been gratifying to see even in my time in the workforce, and I'm currently 38. So it hasn't been 
that long, or I like to think it hasn't <laughs> no, been that it long, hasn't. at least. I like to tell myself <laughs> that. Um, but I've even seen it improve over that period of time where you see more women in fields that used to be traditionally male dominated and you see many more women in leadership than I did early in my career. So that's been great to see. Although we have a ways to go, we're still making improvements. So I have a a bit of a random question for you then just to (laughs) kind of see what your thoughts are, because women have made great strides in the workplace and and it is tough to kind of balance work life where you're, you know, managing or you're, you know, a part, a big part of like an organization. But then you also come home and you have, you know, your mom duty and, you know, cooking dinner and bath time and bedtime and everything. And what do you see or what do you want to see for future women like our daughters and our granddaughters coming? Is there any particular thing that you know if you could just pick one for it to get Mm -hmm. a little bit better in the workforce i feel like i'm just rambling on here (laughs) uh so it's hard to pick just one i'd say that women deserve supportive partners who will pull an equal weight at home and equal doesn't need to mean the same necessarily but I, I still see lots of stories of, you know, women who work all day long and they come home and they're expected to do all the home things, too, on top of working all day. Right. And um, if both people are working, then both people should be sharing in the things that have to go on at home. If one person isn't working um, and they are a stay at home parent, then they'll take on more things than the other parent, most likely. But that doesn't mean the other parent does nothing either. So I think I'd like to see more women get the help they deserve at home and an equal partnership there. And then I'd also like to see more workplaces offer more different kinds of flexibility for women. So every woman's needs are different and what they want out of their career and out of their family life are different. So the more options we can have to support those different needs, the better. I mean, I've seen things like job sharing or part-time corporate work and things like that as technically available, but I've not often seen them used. Now that might be industry dependent, but um, I, I know technically you can do it, but you just don't see it done very often. And I wish things like that were more available. So if women want to work part-time in a corporate job or do some kind of job sharing arrangement and to better balance their work life, then I'd like to see that happen as well. That would be awesome. I've also heard of some of the really like big Fortune 500 companies are starting to incorporate like childcare into where they work so that working parents can have a really convenient and affordable place to drop their kids off. Or even if they do get sick in the middle of the day, you can go down, check on them. And, you know, if they're really sick and need to go home, that's fine. But you can also just kind of make sure that they're okay. Yeah, I think that's a great benefit that some companies offer. On-site childcare certainly is helpful, not only in terms of being able to spend more time with your kids, at least on the way to and from childcare, right? But they're also nearby if something happens, like you said, and you can sometimes maybe pop down at lunch and have lunch together and things like that. So I think companies have all different kinds of great and interesting arrangements and it'll be good to see those rolled out to more companies definitely it's definitely nice to see that sort of coming in 
And going back to being quite busy, Liz, I know that you're an exceptionally busy person. You know, you're the breadwinner in your home. You also have your three kids to take care of. And you also somehow managed to still find time for your blog and people in general. You've got a reputation on Twitter as being very available and, you know, having a, a very um, good ability to find time. So I know you've been asked this question before, but how do you manage to fit it all in and still have spare time? Now, that is an interesting question that I get asked a lot. I'd say there's a couple things. So one, because my husband is a stay-at-home dad, that helps free up a lot of my time. So I don't do things like the laundry or cooking unless I want to cook something. And I don't have to give the kids a bath if it's not a night that that makes sense. I can do things like record a podcast instead, and my husband will watch the boys downstairs. So him being a stay-at-home dad has been a very big game changer in how much I'm able to get done. So I think that's been um, a huge advantage. And then also just in general, I've always been busy for my whole life. So when I went to undergrad, I worked full-time and went to school full-time. So I worked full-time during the day, 40 hours a week, and then I went to school full-time, five classes, nights and weekends. Um, I also got my MBA while I was working full time and had two kids. So I'm kind of used to a different level of busyness in life. Um, And I'd also say that with the technology that we have today, that's a big part of why I can do what I can do more easily. Like on Twitter, if you think back maybe 10 years, right? I think Twitter existed 10 years ago. I can never be sure. But you would have had to go onto a desktop computer where you had access to Twitter in order to use Twitter. And you probably didn't have access at work. So that meant you were limited to when you were physically at home. Uh, Nowadays, you can just pop on on your phone while you're on a break or in the coffee line. And you can chat with people and catch up with things. So I think it's all those things combined, really, are how I'm able to do the kinds of things I do. I think it also really comes down to a lot of proper time management and just keeping organized. Oh, yeah. I, I saw actually an interesting article just the other day that mentioned Sheryl Sandberg and her talking about ruthless prioritization, Mm -hmm. which is something that I've talked about before too. And it's really that, you know, you, in order to get a lot done, you need to really ruthlessly prioritize how you're going to spend your time and not spend your time on things that aren't going to get you closer to where you want to be. And so sometimes that means things like, um, you know, if someone's trying to get you to volunteer for the 10th event in a row at the school or something, and that's not something that you are interested in. You just say no and leave the guilt behind. Well, and I also know that at least for me, when I am really busy and I feel like with starting a full-time job and we're having family coming into town, it seems like all the time now and holidays are coming. I have to like schedule out. I think about it like on my drive home. When I get home, I'm going to do this, then this, then this. And I make it like an order. Because if not, then I get sidetracked and then I'm done. Yep. Yep. And when I go to work, work, I prioritize exactly what I'm going to do for the day. I use what I call a MIT list, which stands for most important things, which I found somewhere, but I don't remember where, so I can't give credit. Um, And it's basically your top three things that you're going to accomplish by the time you leave that day, no matter what happens. And I found that that's really valuable in helping me focus because otherwise it's easy to get distracted by the million different fires going on around you. Yeah. And it's the same at home. So I've had to prioritize what I do 
here, particularly on the site. So what I, I have to be realistic about what I can accomplish and the amount of time I can dedicate and try to spend that time as effectively as I can. They also say if you want something done, give it to a busy person. <laughs> yeah, I like I like <laughs> the true. idea of your mitt list because sometimes when you have so much going on, you just you get that overwhelming feeling and then you just start, you know, chasing your tail around in a million different directions and you don't get anything done. Exactly. And that's actually when I read about it, um, I thought it was a great idea. So I started to keep a post-it note essentially on my master to-do list that I keep. I keep a running list of everything I need to do and who I need to follow up with and documents I need to write, things like that, usually divided up by section. But then I'll put my post-it note with my mint list. So at least during the day, I know what are three things I'm going to accomplish that will get me closer to what I really need to do. Because otherwise, sometimes I get distracted by all the other million little things there are to do. You just don't make time for those big and important things. So I found that's a really helpful way to make me focus. And also, sometimes I'll just get those done first thing in the morning so that they're out of the way and then tackle the rest of the to-do list. So at least I know, no matter what, those will get done. Well, and I love being able to cross things off of my to-do list. There's, <laughs> that's a, especially professionally, one of the things that makes me happiest when I'm able to just cross off a bunch of things on my to-do list. Oh, yeah. It's always very satisfying to cross <laughs> things off. So if you, have a, if you make a mitt list, since there's only three... And there are three things you should get done today. You'll always finish your list. Yeah, you'll will be always very feel satisfying. accomplished. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as we're kind of winding down um, right before the value link round, I wanted to ask what your best piece of advice that you can give to working women who are trying to get ahead financially, whether it's uh, really boosting up their savings or paying off debt or saving for a home or retirement. What is one thing that you can give as a great piece of advice as a takeaway? Hmm, One thing. So I think the most important thing to do is to know where you are and know where you want to go. And then you can make a plan to get there. So often when you're just getting started with managing money, the whole process can seem very overwhelming that you have a lot of different financial goals. They all require a lot of money. You don't really have an idea of how to reach them. And they can compete with each other. And sometimes it can just be frustrating and easy to give up on the whole process because it seems so complex. But if you first just track where your money's going and how much money you have through a net worth statement, and then you figure out what do you really want, not just what you want with money, but what do you really want? What do you want to get to eventually? And then once you've got those two things, you know what you're spending on and you know what your net worth is now and you know what your goals are then you can start researching a specific plan for how to get to those goals. So I think that's the most important thing is you've got to start where you are. You have to know where you are, know where you go, and then make a plan to get there. I love that. We have said over and over again on the podcast that in order to get anywhere, you need to make a plan because if you don't, then you're just kind of going all over the place. Yep. It's so true. And if you don't know where you're going, though, then any road will get you there, right? That's what they said. So I, Eventually. I know some. I know sometimes, uh, you know, I've been unfocused with a specific financial goal, and that's difficult because then you don't really know what you're planning for or, you're, or you don't really know how to plan, right? So if you know where you are now and you've got a really great specific 
lovely vision of where you want to be, then you can start doing the research on how to make a plan on the steps to get there. Money Clan, if you're looking to achieve financial success, check out a post that I recently completed on passive income. You can head on over to chainofwealth.com slash passive dash income. This is this post that I've created. It's an absolutely huge guide with everything you need to know in terms of how to build passive income streams and set yourself up for later in life. That's chainofwealth.com slash passive dash income. All right, Liz. So I'm curious to know because you seem to be very organized and you're you're on track. I wanted to ask what your saving or retirement plan is. What do you mean by retirement plan? You mean like what plans I'm investing in for retirement or my actual plan to retire? Your your general high level plan. So like, are you doing a lot of stocks, bonds? Like what is your sort of idea of how you want to get to retirement? Uh, Okay. Thanks for clarifying. So I currently invest in both stocks and bonds. I'm a passive index fund investor. Always have been. I like to say I've been with Vanguard since before it was cool because I joined as a Vanguard client in uh, about the year 2000, actually. So I've always found the idea of passive index fund investing to appeal to me because, you know, frankly, I don't really have time to pick stocks. And I know that research shows that most actively managed funds underperform the market. So I've always been invested in stock index funds. And then I do also have some bonds and bond index funds. Um, I don't have a tremendous amount of those, but I do have some. So I've been an investor at least to a small amount since the late 90s when I was a teenager. I got started with investing. And so I've been through two market crashes. And I know that for me, my risk tolerance is such that I would not feel comfortable 100% in stocks. Mm -hmm. So currently, I'm about 20% bonds and 80% stocks. And the stocks are mostly domestic U.S., but I do have a part of international stocks in there as well. Uh, also index funds. And I invest in index funds in all my different retirement accounts that I have. So I have a 401k. I have an IRA that's a rollover from my old company. I also have a Roth IRA. And all of them have some kind of mix of index funds. Index funds are absolutely a great tool. And I think that everyone should really be using them to, for, for, for that very reason, you know, it takes so much research to really go and pick individual stocks and bonds and stuff. And getting that index fund, you're going to be a much low risk. And also you're probably going to do better than what you would have done if you had picked one or two stocks. <laughs> yep. They, as they say, if you can't beat the market, be the market. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> So do you have any other books or podcasts you can recommend to our listeners? So, oh, I've got so many favorite books. It's really hard to choose. A lot of my formative financial books are sadly outdated um, because I'm getting old now. But I always recommend Your Money or Your Life as a great book to talk about the trade-off between um, your money and your time. And I've always found that it gives you a great perspective. Um, and I'd also recommend any book by Taylor Laramore from uh, Bogleheads. I think that they're all great books. I know he recently released a new book that I haven't gotten from the library yet, but um, I've gotten The Guide to Investing, and I think that that's an amazing one. And for podcasts, um, other than this one, of course, which should go on the list, <laughs> um, I've 
always been partial to stacking Benjamins and not just because Joe's had me on a couple times, but I also really love the fun format. And that's actually been the only financial podcast I've consistently listened to for years. Um, For other podcasts, I'd say that it really depends on what, you know, what level financially you're at and what you're looking to get out of um, a podcast. So for example, I really like Dave Ramsey's podcast, If You Need Constant Motivation to Get Out of Debt. But if you're debt-free, it's probably not the best podcast to listen to. Um, If you're looking for some financial basics or um, information on being a good consumer, I like Clark Howard's podcast. It's always good. Um, And currently, I'm partial to Paula Pants Afford Anything just for myself because I enjoy the topics that she covers there. So do you have a favorite quote that you try to live by? Oh, I don't, actually. I probably should. Now I'm going to have to put on my (laughs) to-do list, go find a quote to live by. It can be at the top of your MIT list tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to put it on my Met list as soon as we get off this call and start Googling good quotes to live by and see what comes up. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Something to tickle the list. <laughs> <laughs> Liz, we've absolutely loved hanging out today. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Um, so parting piece of advice, I'd say to take it easy on yourself. So often when it comes to money... Um, things can seem really overwhelming, particularly at first when you're just getting into the whole field and paying attention to your money. It can get easy to be overwhelmed or to feel like others are doing so much better than you. But I'd say take it easy on yourself. You are where you are right now, wherever that is. And you should only ever compare yourself to yourself. So wherever you are on your financial journey, I wish you much success. And I'd say that you should take it easy on yourself. Fantastic. Chain, as we've been hanging out with Liz, you can check out her websites. It's chiefmomofficer.org and definitely figure out what you want to put on your to-do list for tomorrow and the next day and make sure you have some kind of a plan in place. You're definitely going to want to do that to get ahead in your life. Wow, Kate, what an inspirational story. You know, I love talking to regular people and just hearing how they're accomplishing so much because when I hear it from like people who I consider regular it makes it much more attainable and achievable yeah it's definitely a lot more relatable you know and I think a lot of people have sort of reached out to us as well and sort of said that that these relatable stories mean so much more because it's not someone that's you know like got five PhDs and they finished school when they were like 15 years old yeah you know, they're like, all right, so this is a regular person and they're doing, you know, they're, they're just trying to have a normal life. And I think sort of realizing that stuff's a lot more attainable than what you think it is really helps and inspires people a lot. Well, and I think the first and probably the hardest part is changing your mindset. Yeah. And once your mindset is changed and then you start hearing how other people are able to do it, well, frankly, if they can do it, I can do it. It's yeah. I've always thought. So. <laughs> It really helps keep me pushing along the way. Yep, I totally agree. Sometimes being in the middle of a debt payoff is not fun. No, and you know that firsthand. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, sister. (laughs) So guys, we would absolutely love if you could take five minutes and just leave us a review on iTunes. You can just, we want to know what you think of the show. So whether it's a one star, five star, 
And if you could give us feedback, we would really, really appreciate it. It helps the show grow and really lets Katie and I know what you guys like and what we should be focusing more on. Yeah, well, and also if you do like this show and you're talking to your friends and they're kind of talking about, oh, I don't know really what I'm doing with my 401k or anything. If you want to just shoot out like that you listen to this great podcast called Chain of Wealth. Yeah, just tell a friend. (laughs) That would also be awesome. Awesome. We'll catch you guys next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.